Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have uh, inspired these words, that you have preserved them, and that you have granted them to us. And Lord, we are not deserving of handling your word. So help us be a people that handles it rightly. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we need it so often. We need it every single day. It is our food. It is our drink. It is what sustains our very lives. So, Lord, today as we peer in to your word to look at the names of our great God and King Jesus, help us be a people that honors your name. Help us be a people that understands the vast, great elements of your holy name. And Lord, may we be a people that acts in a way that is not mere hearers of these words, but doers as well. So Lord, we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Turn with me to the beginning of the book of Matthew, the very beginning of the New Testament. Now, as we have our Bibles ordered this way, our, uh, our turning from the Old Testament to the New, we run into the of first order of genealogy. And so from Malachi to Matthew, we see the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, of course, as we have explored the amazing grace and mercy that has been given to us through this seed promise, we see that it's of great importance for us to recognize God has woven this into the very fabric of history. And the very fabric of history has this, this genealogy that starts in uh, Genesis. It starts in actually Genesis 3, verse 15, and makes its way and weaves its way all throughout the law and prophets until we get to Jesus. Now, we have been looking at, uh, in the last several messages, at some of the important elements of names of the Messiah found in this genealogy. We've seen the son of Abraham as one who is going to bless all the nations. We see the son of David as the one who is going to uh, uh, seize the eternal scepter of the kingdom of God. And there is another name, another one here that is very important for us to look at. Now we're going to note it here, and then we're going to see how this, this particular portion of the seed promise is announced in the book of Revelation. Then we will turn back to the book of Genesis. So we really are looking at the heart, the end, and the beginning. 
to see how important this name is as one who is the one of Judah, the son of Judah, indeed the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now note in verse 3, actually in verse 2 we'll start, we see in in, uh, Matthew, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez. So we have the patriarchs listed, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the next link in that chain, of those 12 brothers, it is Judah, the one who is chosen. And we will see uh, in the book of Genesis how that transpires. But here we have Judah. Judah is in Jesus' genealogy. Now it's important for us to note this as this is that singular genealogy that the Lord has established. But what I want us to do now as we explore this name, the Lion of Judah or the Lion of the tribe of Judah, we actually find that in the book of Revelation. So let's turn forward to Revelation chapter 5. So in the context here, of course, the book of Revelation is a robust declaration of the, uh, of the end of the age, of the, uh, the coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, and, and all of these elements therein. And it begins with John being visited by Jesus and being given the the commission to write. Then we see the the promises and the warnings and the admonitions to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. Then we're taken to the throne room where we uh, are taken into the very dwelling place of the Father, the one who is seated on the throne. And that brings us to chapter 5. And we are introduced to a scroll. Now note in verse 1 of chapter 5, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So what is this? It's important for us to recognize within the context when we see this name announced, how it's related to this scroll. The scroll here, a careful reading indicates that it is an inheritance scroll. Now it is lined with seven seals. And the heir is the one who breaks the seals. And the seals are preconditions that need to occur before the scroll is opened. So all seven seals need to be broken. Then the scroll is opened, the inheritance read, and then thus received. So this is an inheritance scroll, but what does 
this indicate in regards to inheritance? Well, first off, the scroll here is, and the, and the elements of this vision mirror what we find in, in Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, we see that which is received is a kingdom. And I believe that is parallel here, the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And this scroll is in the hand of the Father. Now we have this announcement then, proclaiming this mighty angel in verse 2. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? So there's the question of worthiness. Who is worthy to be able to take the scroll, open it by breaking its seals? Now this is, again, speaking of who is worthy to inherit the kingdom. Who is worthy to ultimately take this crown, this mantle? And as this proclamation goes out, we see no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. So no one was found worthy. And we see John then begins to weep loudly. And the the Greek here is emphatic. He weeps loudly and uh, bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or looked into it. So the, the reason why he would be so distraught at this is because if no one is worthy to open the scroll, then the kingdom is not coming. The renewal is not coming. And thus we find, in the midst of this weeping, there is a, an announcement of the good news. And that is in verse 5, and this is where we find the title or the name of the Messiah that we are really exploring today, the line of Judah. You see, one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So first off, we have this command, weep no more. Or stop weeping. Because that which John held to be true was not. There was one. And he is identified as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, of course, lion is a ferocious animal, one that is uh, king of their domain. And we will look at why this term lion is used in a moment as far as what the uh, 
what the Old Testament roots are of this. But the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now again, why? Why is it important that he is of Judah and also the root of David? Well, first off, whenever we hear Judah and we hear David, those matters in regards to speaking of messianic expectation It looks to bring about the nuance of kingship. So this tribe of Judah, there is a particular prophecy that speaks of kingship. And we'll look at that. And the root of David, of course, David is also of the tribe of Judah. And so this overall point of authority and kingship is stressed. But note here the uh, exclamation that he has conquered. Now the conquering here is speaking of his triumph on the cross. He has conquered He has come, lived a sinless life. He has come, obeying his Father in every point, and every jot and tittle of the law is fulfilled. And thus, this is a conquest. He has overcome, even though there were many times of temptation the Lord thwarted every single one and emerged triumphant. And so that means he is the one that is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals, the one that is worthy to inherit all that is promised in the inheritance, which has to do even here with the tribe of Judah and the root of David, the kingdom of God. A house, a kingdom. So it's in this announcement that we see the lion of the tribe of Judah is mentioned. Now where is this found in the Old Testament? Well, we're in Revelation now. Now we need to go all the way back to the beginning to see where the origins of this are found. It's in Genesis chapter 49. Now, of course, we have looked at up to this point in Genesis, the, the end is near. Genesis 50 is the end of Genesis. So 49 is really a climactic chapter, which Genesis is very dominant in regards to the seed promise. We see ancestry stressed throughout the book of Genesis, whether it be an ancestry of a long durations, like we find earlier in the book, in the pre-flood era, 
or whether we zero in and look at certain men whom were chosen by God to be the carriers of the same promise. Of course, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob becomes Israel. And as he becomes Israel, we see he has 12 sons. And we see in chapter 49, he is going to bring blessings and words of prophecy to his sons. And these things have to do with both near and far elements. So in chapter 49, we see in in verse 8, the zeroing in on Judah. Of course, Judah was one of the uh, one of the sons of Jacob. And we see in verse 8, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. <clears throat> your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his fowl to the vine and his donkey's coat to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. A very bold and descriptive blessing that was given to Judah. Now first, first off we see something that is odd It says in verse 8, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. And even your father's son shall bow down before you. This indicates Judah taking the place of the firstborn. Furthermore, there is a, a, a play on words here. Judah means praise. And so, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. So this speaks of the preeminence of Judah among the twelve sons of Jacob. And that is because in these passages he is being chosen as the one that is going to continue this this messianic lineage. We see he's going to be one that that conquers. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. In verse 9, we see the element of lion. We see Judah is a lion's cub. We see many different ways. A young lion there. And from the prey, my son, you have gone up. Already speaking of a young lion who is taking his prey. 
He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? So Judah has this element of a lion. That, of course, is where we see in Revelation 5.5 the announcement from the elder, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the one that emerges as the fulfillment of the prophecies concerning Judah. And indeed, like a lion, he has come and he will come. Now, even though Jesus came in so-called weakness, going to the cross, he still came in might and great power. For by his word, all creation needed to obey him. Jesus spoke, and the wind and waves needed to cease. Jesus spoke, and disease needed to flee. Jesus spoke, and the dead were raised. Jesus spoke, and the enemy were crushed. Thus we see here this Judah and being a lion's cub. From the prey you have gone up. He is one that is powerful, Lord of his domain. Now we then see tribal elements in chapter 49. This uh, element of tribe and kingship. The scepter. Now what is a scepter but a, 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 uh, a, a, an element, an emblem, uh, a small staff that uh, is spoken of and given to the rightful king. So it's saying here, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. So this is the declaration that kingship is coming through Judah. Historically, we have seen it run through the times of the Exodus, the times of the judges, until we get to the life of David. David, of course, is of the tribe of Judah. And so David is given prophecies as well concerning kingship. Remember, these things were coupled in the uh, in the in the announcement in Re- Revelation chapter five, verse five. You have the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now it's not going to depart, and we, there's translational elements here that um, are a bit difficult, and we've we've actually talked about this prior, but we see here uh, that until. It could be until tribute comes to him, or it could be until Shiloh comes. Shiloh being a name. And I'm 
more of the opinion that Shiloh is a name here. So this scepter, this ruler's staff, is given to the tribe of Judah. And it makes its way through history till it goes through David and his offspring in accordance with the promises given therein. And one day, the Messiah is going to come. Shiloh is going to come. And notice this messianic promise. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is showing the, the wide scope of his reign. And we do well to circle back and think of this declaration of who is able to open the scroll and break its seals. Well, it holds the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is seen throughout every tribe, nation, and tongue. The kingdom of God is of all heaven and earth. For Jesus indeed declares, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And as we see in verses 11 and 12, this speaks of not only his uh, the, the prosperity of, of, of wine and milk, but uh, also, I think, again, washing garments and wine is a, a root of many of the things that we read of the Messiah as he tramples the winepress. Uh, and we see the, the blood of grapes. So Genesis 49 is where we find this. And as we recognize the, the primary place of Judah, that Judah is the promised lineage through whom the king comes from. There are other passages that we really need to keep this in mind, otherwise they won't make sense. One of these is a favorite exchange of mine that we're going to explore, and it is in John chapter 4. Turn with me to John chapter 4. This is Jesus, the son of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, going through Samaria. Now it is said here that he had to go through Samaria. You know, the truth is, is again, this is not speaking of a geographical necessity. This is speaking of a, a necessity that the, the Father has given him a mission now he comes to Samaria and a Samaritan woman. Now it's very important that we understand who the Samaritans were. The Samaritans were some of the visible remnants of the northern kingdom. Now they had intermarried with the Syrians, but they do indeed trace their lineage back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now, very famously, during the time of the split of the kingdom, the northerners, the northern kingdom, declared, what inheritance do we have in the son of Jesse? David, see to your own house. So at the split of the kingdom, they alienated themselves from the tribe of Judah. They alienated themselves from David, which wasn't an option at this time. God had made promises to David. The vehicle of his salvation was very clearly going through David. And so the northern kingdom ultimately said, we have no inheritance in you, which was them cutting themselves off from the line of salvation. And that's why as we go through the north and the history of the north, there's constant sin. There's constant rebellion. And the Samaritans were continuing to live in a way that rejected the Davidic dynasty. Now, Jesus and the woman go back and forth with Jesus pressing her on several things about water. She's not getting him. And then she, he presses her concerning her, uh, her husband. And in verse 19, we see... The woman, a Samaritan woman, said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Now that's Mount Gerizim, which is a place where the children of Israel worshipped after they came into the land. So she's saying, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place people ought to worship. Again, this place, the person and place of problems has to do with the uh, person of David and the place of Jerusalem, which is in Judah, which is of the tribe of Judah. And she, they say, in Jerusalem is the place people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming is, uh, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Now, verse 22 is the, is the passage of significance I want us to note. Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. We, Jesus speaking as a Jew, worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Now, if we just would isolate this passage in John 4, 22, and without recognizing its vast historical roots, um, we may think Jesus is, is saying that one must uh, become uh, a Jew to be saved, or that the, the observance of the law by that, that the Jews were observing is somehow the place that salvation is found. But this is Jesus speaking. In, from a long-standing historical and theological debate, the Samaritans had rejected Jerusalem, had rejected Judah, had rejected David. And Jesus is affirming that salvation 
comes from the Jews. And I believe this is speaking from a tribal standpoint. Salvation comes from the Jews. Now, of course, the way it comes is right before her. The way it comes is through the one Jew, the one of the line of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this, of course, this, this, uh, this exchange culminates in verse 25. When the woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's how it comes out. And in order to be saved, whether you're a Samaritan whether you are of the northern kingdom, whether you are of the tribe of Judah, or whether you're of the nations, the way to be saved is through God's working, through this lineage that brings us to the one, the one who comes from this lineage, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That brings us to my point of application. And it's found in also in the book of John. John chapter 16, verses 32 through 33. My application is this. Do not weep, for he has conquered. Do not weep, for he has conquered. Of course, we're drawing from Revelation 5.5. As John wept... And we, when we look at the state of the world and we wrestle with the problems and the sufferings that come upon us as his people, we are brought to sorrow. And the Lord himself, as he was preparing to go to the cross, gave us these words of comfort In John chapter 16, verses 32 through 33, Jesus tells his disciples, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have conquered the world. The vexation that we have walking in this world is great. And that, as we live by what is seen, what we see is humanity raging against God. What we see in our flesh is enmity against God. We know the spiritual realm, the unseen realm, 
is one where the battle is great and there is so much wickedness that comes forth from the unseen realm for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we are called to take courage. We are called to not weep because Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, has conquered. And again, that whole aspect of conquering. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, was crucified, took our sin, nailed it to the cross. We read in Colossians that we had a debt that could not be repaid. And he nailed that debt to the cross. And he announced it is finished. Thus the Lord, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, went to the cross and now has emerged triumphant. And we are just beginning to see the ferociousness of this one that is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. For he is returning. And his conquering is going to continue. We read of blood, uh, of, of wine-splattered garments. Indeed, there are blood-splattered garments that are coming and prophesied that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is going to walk in because he has conquered, he is conquering, and we read in the book of Revelation that the nations are going to uh, are going to gather against the Lord, <clears throat> and He will conquer them, for He is King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Again, noting that dynamic of, of Judah and David, He is the triumphant King of pure messianic lineage that is going to return, and our calling is to repent and believe, to trust and obey as we await the day of glory when the Lion of the tribe of Judah will illuminate the sky, will gather us together, and will bring purging power to this world. May that day come quickly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, we thank you for the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who is ours. So often, Lord, we forget our minds are taken off who you are and what you have done. Lord, help us be a people that remembers well your mighty acts. Help us also anticipate, Lord, the mighty acts yet to come that we find in your prophetic word. And Lord, may we love your son more and more. May we trust him more and more. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. And in all things, may Jesus receive honor, power, and glory. All to your honor and glory, Father. It's in his name we pray. Amen.